Our text this morning is a single sentence from Luke 22, verse 19. The very last sentence, one spoken by the Lord Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. And after we have heard the gospel from this passage, we will sing together Psalm 136, the stanzas 5, 6, 7, and 8. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how do you feel about history? If you're like a lot of folks today, you may not think about it very much at all, history. A lot of people today have a feeling that the past is better left in the past, it's inferior to the present, doesn't have a lot of value for our present circumstances. What happened decades ago was thought to be out of touch with today, and that gets even more strongly felt when it's hundreds of years or thousands of years in the past that's so ancient that it's looked upon with nothing more than curiosity. Many today tend to think that we in our time are much further advanced than generations before us, that our knowledge is much superior to folks of past generations. So, we really can't be bothered with the past, with history. Maybe you've said to yourself, some of the students sitting in history class this past week, why do we have to study this stuff anyway? It's so boring. That was all yesterday. We live today. Why, why think about the past? Well, what a contrast then when we come to the Lord's Supper, for one of the things we are called to do is specifically rem remember the past, remember history. The Lord Jesus commanded His church, do this in remembrance of Me. He wants us to recall what took place some 2,000 years ago. And already there, brothers and sisters, we have a, a powerful indicator of how God looks at history. He looks at it quite differently than our current culture does or that we ourselves might be inclined to do. History is where God works, where He's been working. History is the record of God's activity because He's guiding all these things. From the very first moment of time until the last moment of the history of this world that has yet to come, all of it showcases the story of God's plan of redemption. And that story, it has to be as vital to us as it is to God, otherwise what we do here this morning is nothing more than an empty ritual. But when we pause when we slow it down and take time to think about the past, think about God's great saving work in the past, when we consider what He was doing and why He did it, then all of those ancient stories, they start to come alive, alive with meaning and alive with relevance for us today. 
then the Lord's Supper is not some thoughtless, tiresome repetition of an ancient ritual, but the Lord's Supper becomes a freshly laid out feast for our souls, hosted by our Lord Jesus Christ, who wants us to know Him, who wants us to remember Him as the Lamb of God who takes away all our sins. That'll be the theme this morning as I bring you this Word of God. Remember the Lamb of God. Remember the Lamb of God. We will remember a better sacrifice and a better exodus. Well, as we read from Luke, it's abundantly clear that the Lord Jesus instituted the supper, the Last Supper, the Holy Supper, at the time of Passover. And there's actually lots of connections between Passover and the Lord's Supper, but this morning we want to focus especially on one connection that we find in verse 7 of Luke 22. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Luke draws our attention to the eating of this lamb, this Passover lamb. Well, that fact takes us further into the past, into history, 1,400 years before Jesus made the Lord's Supper, when Israel was still enslaved in Egypt. You'll recall, I hope, that the Israelites had to sacrifice a lamb on that night that God commanded, the night that He was going to bring them out of Egypt. They had to kill the lamb, take its blood, sprinkle it on the door frames of their homes. Then they had to roast the meat of the lamb and eat it so that none of the meat remained until morning. We find that last element in Deuteronomy 16, nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain all night until morning. It had to be consumed. And nothing was to be wasted. And that was already a key to, to jog the memories of these Israelites. The Passover lamb was extremely special. The Passover lamb was put to death that night in place of or as a substitute for the firstborn son. And the people had to remember what, was, what had happened that night, that switch. Moses mentions that in, in Exodus 12, verse 27. It's the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for He passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when He struck the Egyptians, right? Striking their firstborn, but spared the houses of the Israelites. So, this Passover meal, it, at its heart, it was instituted so that the people of Israel would never, ever forget that great act of salvation that God worked for them in Egypt. You see, for the Israelites, even hundreds of years after Moses' day, ancient history had for them a daily contemporary significance because they understood that it was by that past action of the Lord's mercy that they were here, alive today. You would never hear an Israelite say, why do I have to study all that stuff for? They knew it meant their very existence, their very life depended on what God did back then. They knew that His mighty act of redemption 
out of Egypt meant that He would keep His promise to them in the present and bless them so long as they continued to trust in Him. You know, to, to forget how God saved you in the past would not only be insulting to the Lord, but it would actually cut yourself off from comfort in the present, the comfort of God's saving power and steadfast love for you today. Because if you forget what God did in the past, if you don't know how He saved His people and how He promised to continue to save them, how can you be sure that He'll come to your rescue in the present moment? The people had to know their history, and they loved it. The first thing they had to remember was that God saved them from their own sin, their guilt. The killing of the firstborn son of every family was a sign. It was a heavy sign, but it was a sign that from God that according to God's righteous judgment, the whole family was under God's wrath because of their sins. You see, God said, I'm going to kill the firstborn as a lesson to you that you all actually deserve this. It wasn't that the firstborn son was particularly sinful or had done something worse than the other members of the family, but God took the life of the firstborn as a message, you are all under my wrath. You need to understand that. But along with that message, He gave even a more powerful message. He gave the gift of the sacrificed lamb, a lamb that had no blemish, a lamb that was an acceptable substitute to God and allowed God to spare their lives. And the people had to remember that switch, that subbing out. They had to recall with thanksgiving and joy that though by rights they deserved to die in Egypt that night, Yet God accepted a substitute for them and gave them life. And now the Lord Jesus says to His apostles and He says to us as church today at the, at the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of Me. The Passover had to be celebrated in remembrance of the Lamb. Jesus says, I want you to remember me. I am that lamb. I am the lamb of God. Take my body, which is given for you. Drink of my blood, which is about to be poured out for you. The Lord was teaching them and us that the days of sacrificing a lamb year after year after year they're over. All those lambs were pointers. They were meant to teach the people that a better, complete sacrifice had yet to come, that God was sending in the future some perfect sacrifice that would remove their sin once and for all. And now Jesus is here to say, that's me. I am the better lamb. I am the perfect sacrifice for your sins. Remember me. In me, your life is spared. I am dying in your place. I am giving my life for you. Remember me. Remember what I did on Golgotha and rejoice in your redemption. 
When we come to partake of the Lord's Supper, it, it can never be that we come to offer some kind of sacrifice for our sins because Jesus made that sacrifice for our sins. No, we, we participate in this meal by way of remembering. As we say a bit later in, when we read the form, Jesus has taken our curse upon Himself that He might fill us with His blessing. That's the exchange. He got the curse. We get the blessing. We are here today to remember and celebrate with gratitude, with thankfulness to God that He found in His Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect substitute to bear our curse. And in offering that better sacrifice, the Lord Jesus also brought about for us a much better exodus. For if you think back to the Passover out of, in Egypt, the first one, it really had a twofold significance. On the one hand, it meant deliverance from the angel of death, right? The angel of death passed over, so the wrath of God passed over their homes. But at the very same time, it meant deliverance from the clutches of Pharaoh, evil Pharaoh. Everywhere in the Old Testament, this deliverance out of Egypt is stressed as a great act of God's salvation, redemption. Think of how the Ten Commandments are introduced by God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You can think also of how we read it in, in Deuteronomy 5, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that's in connection with the fourth commandment, and that the Lord brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The Lord is stressing that I want you to, to obey my commandments, remembering that I set you free. These commandments are the law of freedom. We'll sing about this great act of redemption, again, in Psalm 136, He made Egypt's greatness vain, caused their firstborn to be slain. He stretched out His mighty arm, brought out Israel from that land. That exodus was the central act of salvation in the Old Covenant, and it had to be remembered, especially at Passover God even stresses that in Deuteronomy 16, verse 3. They had to re remember all that went on in, at that night of Passover and in their suffering so that all the days of your life you re may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. And the people would remember, even hundreds of years later, their forefathers had been enslaved under cruel taskmasters, the Egyptians. They had no control over their lives. They were not free. They had no rest. There was no such thing as a Sabbath day in Egypt. They had no land of their own where they could live in, in safety and in freedom from oppression. They were slaves under the world's most powerful tyranny, Pharaoh, and they had no hope of escape. Until the Lord came and brought them out of Egypt. Until he performed that miracle, he humbled Pharaoh, humbled the Egyptians, brought his people forth from enslavement, even through the midst of the Red Sea on dry ground. Do you remember that? It gives you goosebumps just thinking about it, doesn't it? I mean, wall of water on your, on your right and on your left, 
people walking through to safety, unheard of power, unheard of steadfast love from their covenant God. And even later when Pharaoh counterattacked, the Lord struck the final blow and washed the army of Pharaoh away in the Red Sea once and for all. That was the great exodus, one for God's people on that night they left Egypt, the night when the first Passover lambs were slain in every household. But there was a better exodus. On the night when the one and only Lamb of God was slain, a far superior exodus was one then for God's people. The Lord Jesus, by way of His death, He eliminated the wrath of God from falling down on the heads of God's people by paying off our debt to God. And at the very same moment, in the very same act, He freed us from the enslaving power of sin and Satan. Not just Pharaoh, a human tyrant, but Satan and sin, those demonic and spiritual tyrants. So long as we could not pay what we owed God, we were both under God's wrath and we were under the power of sin and Satan. But when Jesus offered His perfect sacrifice on the cross, when it was accepted by God the Father, that the power of sin, it was broken from over us. His iron grip over us has been lost forever, for we have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb of God. Jesus Christ is now our Lord. He is our master, not Satan, not sin. You and I belong, body and soul, both in life and in death. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, our faithful Savior. That is an exodus that has no comparison. Do this. Do this in remembrance of me, says Christ. Eat from my table. Remember what I did for you in my death on the cross. And when you remember, then continue. Be strengthened and continue to work out your salvation in your everyday life. Continue to live as my people, free from the curse of sin. People who are on their way to the promised land. History. History has everything to do with our present reality. Embrace history. Remember what God has done for you in the past. Remember how He remains with you every second in the present. And remember where He's promised to take you into the future. The promised land on the new earth. Amen.